Welcome to the rewrap for Tuesday. All the best bits from the Mike Hosking breakfast on Newsdog ZB in a sillier package. I am Glenn ZB. And this morning, um, are we really talking about the national leadership again? Ah, oh, it's fun, isn't it? Are we really watching a program called Pop Stars again? And is it really on both channels at once? Uh, computer sales through the roof, that's to be expected. And um, nobody's turning up for jury duty, also to be expected. Uh, and another thing you can always expect is for Mike Hosking to have a few EV myths to bust for your benefit. Funny old thing to watch at the moment. Starting to dawn on the greenies that the magic of the electric car might not be as magical as they thought. Like so many... Who hop on bandwagons, they don't do the homework, so essentially peddle their ideology based on claptrap. For all the buzz around EVs, two stark things have been at play. One, they haven't taken off in terms of sales, hence you've seen the endless push for subsidies paid for by others, i.e. the taxpayer. Two, very little time has been spent on the environmental issues surrounding their production. Yes, fossil fuels are not environmentally brilliant, of course, but that doesn't make the production of EVs good, because they're not. The battery makes up 40% of a car's cost. 40%. The battery from day one starts to die. In years to come, we're going to have a tremendous number of dead batteries. Further, making the batteries requires a lot of materials that are currently mined in places like the Democratic Republic of Congo. Things like cobalt, nickel, copper, manganese. Rare earths are involved, of course. They're currently tied up fairly tightly by the Chinese, hence the market skewed and it's very expensive. The current debate, in fact the new development in this debate, by the way, is a lot of this stuff can now be found, as it turns out, on the seabed in the Pacific. So brilliant, let's go get it. Whoops! Forgot about the greenies. The greenies are aghast at the environmental impacts of mining in the waters of the Cook Islands, as well they might be. Indeed, the United Nations, no less, is currently looking at regulating mining under the sea in the Cook Islands and the Pacific in general. BMW, Google, Samsung, they've said they will not use any metal sourced from the deep ocean, which is laudable. But it does leave the question, if not the ocean, where from then? That bastion of unionised and technologically advanced engineering and extraction, the Congo... And this is the pinch point, you see. You can't have it both ways. You can't extol the virtues of a new form of transportation if you're not prepared to be honest about how it's built. And like so much in life, it's not black and white. Diesel and petrol still drive engines for very good reasons. No, an EV doesn't put carbon out of a tailpipe. But hell, hell of a lot of earth got attacked to drag the stuff up and out that made the battery, and you can't hide from that. Or at least if you try to, it makes you an ideological hypocrite. The same way EVs should sell, because they're good and desired, not because they're subsidised, The so-called switch should be made because the switch makes sense, not because the environmentalists were good with the greenwash. Yes, it turns out uh, batteries really hard to make, really big and really full of lots of dodgy stuff. Um, Now, national. Uh, Wow, guess what? We're talking about whether the right person's in charge of it again. This is Groundhog Day. This is just the constant state of being with New Zealand politics these days, isn't it? Such a crap job, isn't it, when you think about it? I mean, who on earth would want to be the leader of the opposition? Already the Nats are dealing with yet another round of whispers and it's only early 2021. I mean, remember the the election isn't until late 2023. Uh, If the rumours are real and the plotting is thick, if they can't work out that a few months after an election it's not time to panic, not time to roll people, then basically they've got no hope. Added to that, surely is the highly likely outcome that Labour are going to implode on themselves once we stop focusing on COVID and start dealing with the recession and the other ineptitudes they've foisted upon us. So in other words, patience, my friends. Then you get to the very real issue of whether reheating a bloke who apparently no one liked last time can bring another anything other than despair and ridicule. Mind you, Simon has John Howard to learn from, so anything's possible, I guess. But then this Chris Luxon idea, think about that for a minute. One, is he any good? 
and I'll come back to that. And two, what's the point of having Luxon sitting as deputy when you know full well all he wants is the top job? Simon literally, even if any of this comes to anything, would spend every waking moment dealing with the sort of crap Judith is dealing with right now, leaks, backstabbing, self-interest, whispers and scandal. What you want as deputy, surely, is Don McKinnon, a good pair of experienced hands, absolutely no desire to be the boss. But back to Luxon and the noise that surrounds him. Whoever put him in now or would put him in now, doesn't value the job he would take on. They don't value the office. Luxon might be a genius, but we don't know that because he's barely unpacked his lunchbox. We can't or at least shouldn't be handing out top work for the latest cab off the rank. That's not how big jobs get sorted. You've got to earn them. You have to look like you belong, that an elevation to the position makes perfect sense. What we've decided, um, or why we've decided the job can go to any old hack who lobs up, I don't know. Labor got exceedingly lucky, of course, with Adun, because Adun got exceedingly lucky with COVID. A Luxon is only a player because Key made being an outside business uh, a success, uh, a link to leadership. It might be a link, uh, but there's no shortage of people who lead one business who couldn't lead another, far less tossing in the nuances and complexities of politics. Just turning up isn't a qualification, or if the Nats have decided it is, then they deserve everything that's coming to them, basically. The best thing they could do for the rest of the year given there's plenty of time and no need to freak out, is call their jets. I feel like people suggesting a change in Nationals' leadership, um, it happens almost as as often as them changing Prime Ministers in Australia. Not quite, but it's up there. It's up there. Um, <laughs> great example to follow. Uh, pop stars. Uh, <sighs> Uh, I had high hopes. I, I remember quite enjoying the first time around, but. <sighs> Trending now on the Mike Hosking Breakfast. Kelly Lamb, pop stars, debuted last night. We had Kimber on the program last week. It was lovely to catch up with her. She's back in New York at the moment. Anyway, she seemed excited about the show. Now, the twist here is that TVNZ decided they would stick the show on TV1 and TV2 at the same time. Oh, I know! It's never been done before. A reaction, as they say, is mixed. Uh, I lasted, said somebody, about 30 seconds watching pop stars before it became unbearable. I was forced to change channels, but to my horror, it was also on channel one. There's no escaping. Well, there is actually. There's more than there's more than two channels. I hope that hasn't come as news to you. Uh, the ex-agency bloke in me says, wish I'd thought of that genuinely innovative. Another one says, it's so off-putting to me. Makes it seem like they've got no content, so they have to double up. Uh, with pop stars on two channels, Married at First Sight on the third, Netflix and Disney will be happy. Surely their subscriptions are going through the roof. Good way to get cross-audience sampling. Smart way to launch a property that they can clearly have high hopes for. Either that or they're nervous. I, I saw it as being a little nervy. Because, I mean, TV1's not the home of pop stars. If you're watching TV1, what was on instead of TV1? TV1 had Fair Go. Fair Go, the audience for Fair Go is not the pop stars' audience, isn't it? So what are you doing? You're just sort of alienated in your Fair Go. You're sitting down to a good night of Pippa. And then all of a sudden you've got Kimber in your screen and you're thinking, wow, well, this hasn't worked out well. What's going on here, you say to yourself? And are there really more than two channels? What's going on in this television land? It was, uh, the, the show was weird. Um, well, it wasn't weird. It was just really, really boring. Um, so boring. There was no host. And I don't understand how you have a talent show of any kind without somebody actually sort of giving it some oomph, some impetus, moving things along. It just sort of unfolded in front of you in a very boring way. The judges were sort of non-committal with their views. There wasn't a nasty one. There doesn't seem to be a nice one. I don't know what's happening. This is 
if this is network television, because I don't really watch network television anymore, if this is what's been going on, I'm glad I haven't been watching it. And, and uh, I, I think I'd happily just go back and spend more time on my computer. All the ins and the outs, it's The Biz on the Mike Hosking Breakfast on Newstalk ZB. So you know what's hot right now, so hot right now. Uh, of all the stuff we got obsessed with buying in COVID, turns out personal computers right up there. They're flying off the shelves. Records are being broken on the PCs worldside, uh, worldwide. PC shipments, they're growing at 55% so far in the first quarter of the year compared with the same time last year. Uh, it's the work-from-home boom, of course. The comeback hasn't been shared equally. Laptop sales are up 21% here. Desktops, uh, ain't nobody wants a desktop. Uh, why? Because most desktops don't have the all-important feature, of course, the webcam for the Zoom. So in terms of the brands, what have we got? China's Lenovo, they're number one, uh, followed by HP and Dell. Apple gaining ground in fourth place. Apple only fourth place. Uh, but can't you get the cameras? I got a camera here on top of my. Um, is this what? I, is that a desktop I've got there? Is that a desktop? Is that the uh, Mac One? I think I've got the Mac One on the. It's way too early I'm in sure the show I've for me to lose the will to live. Got a little camera on the top there. Do you think he's confused because, of course, the computer isn't actually on top of the desk? Do you think that's why? It is hard working with Mike Hosking sometimes. Just leave it, leave it. I wouldn't want to be on a jury with him, that's for sure. Just change the mechanism in which you have a jury. I mean, make it a more serious... I mean, I, I would be on a jury for a whodunit. You know, like a really interesting case, a Bain case, an Ellis case. You know, one that, yes, it would take weeks. But but the detail, the minutiae, that would that would grip you. Most... So, so, so you want better writers, is that what you want? For, well, I, for the... I don't know what I want. We just want to... We're, uh, the, uh, the, there's too many boring cases, so we well, need to... Exactly. So if you've got a boring case, we just need to well, workshop it a bit more. You say boring, uh, I say guilty. Because let's be frank, most of the time... And this is the other weakness of the jury system. The jury system is designed you are judged by a group of your peers. Now, peers to me means a person similar to myself. Now, the bulk of people in court, of course, are crooks. Thugs and crooks, deadbeats and losers. I am none of those things, therefore I'm not a peer of those people. Therefore, why am I judging them? I'm wasting my time. Why would I want to waste my time on a waster who's guilty in the first place? How many people do you see go to court that end up being not guilty? Virtually no one, for obvious reasons. The system works. Therefore, why have 12 people sitting around wasting their time, listening to dribble, knowing full well what the outcome of the case is? Just so justice can be seen to be done. That's all it's about. So, so what I'm suggesting is that they bring Aaron Sorkin or somebody like that in. Set it to music. And, and the, you know, they, well, is there a way that this person perhaps isn't guilty? And then have some... Dun, dun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. And they okay. could come up with many different ways, interesting ways. Have you considered this? Yeah, yeah, okay, I'm on board with that. Okay, maybe we can make it a bit more interesting. And of course, the problem, if you were on a jury with me, I'd be the guy who just wants to play devil's advocate the whole time and tries to get people to see the other point of view just for the sake of it, just because I like having arguments with people about things. And um, so I'd, I'd probably end up making a stronger case um, than the actual attorneys, the solicitors in the courtroom. So, yeah, that wouldn't work either. Anyway, it'll never happen because I've been called out for jury service a couple of times and my boss hasn't let me go both times. They said, no, you've got to stay here and push buttons and try and get Mike, stop, Mike Hosking to stop talking so we can play the news. I'm Glare ZB. That's my life. And I'll be back here with more button pushing for you tomorrow. See you then.